Donnie's Disposals. I am your coach, Do- Coach Donnie Hess here, back with another AFL round review of round 14. And joining me in the co-host chair today from, and I'm going to try to make sure I don't mess this because I love the name of this podcast, <laughs> the Chats, Chat, the Chaps, Chat Cats podcast. Jake, joining me from Victoria, joining me from Victoria, Australia. Jake, thank you for joining me today. No worries. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here and well done on the name. You know, like the, the podcast started as a practical joke just to see if we could get people to say that name. Um, yeah, that's the history. I absolutely love it. But the one thing I got to say, though, is if you are a cat's nuffy and you love chats, you like chats about the cats, absolutely worth it. And my other favorite part is these guys talk about the women as well, which, as you guys all know, I am a huge supporter of women's footy. But we are here for the AFL. We'll talk the AFLW maybe another time. So really quick, Jake, round 14 is through. The buy rounds are still thick and fast with still one more round 14. What are your thoughts on only six games of footy this round? Yeah, I almost can't believe that there's only six. The, the buyers seem to keep extending every, every year. Um, I guess one thing that sort of stuck out to me was the old home ground advantage. You know, only one team, uh, one away side, won this weekend, and it was the Western Bulldogs who were playing away at their home ground anyway. But, you know, Richmond at the G, Carlton, um, GWS, Brisbane, Port, all seemed to make really good use of that home crowd, the home ground advantage. I experienced that not firsthand at the ground, but firsthand watching on Thursday night from home. Um, with with the cats in port, we talked about it on the preview show. Um, you know that that port team once they get away with the crowd behind them, and I think you saw that you know in a few games this week where the home teams you know p- played to their full potential. Uh, it was tricky for some of the visitors. Um, and, and look, I guess a couple of upsets, which we'll I'm sure we'll get into um, across the across the uh, the episode, but. Yeah, I think, strangely enough, some games that went about as you'd expect, uh, peppered with a couple of results that were a little bit mind-boggling, um, mm-hmm. one in particular. <laughs> yeah, definitely, for sure. So we'll, we'll jump into it right off the bat. As a Cats, as a Cats man, I got to ask this. Port Adelaide, get the win by 38, 110-72. And, and do you put it these in... Do you put any stock into the fact that Coach Scott just has a miserable record coming back from the buys? Um, that's an interesting one. We've talked about that before on on the podcast about the buy thing, and it, it's hard to to sort of speak against it when there's so much history about it. But I look, I, I tend to look at the factors being related to the inconsistency of personnel that we've had this year has been massive. And I know a lot of footy fans are sort of a bit touchy about talking about injuries and saying, Oh, well, you know, you've got 22 players out there and that's true. But, you know, I think anyone would say that having your best players on the field um, for a consistent stretch of time uh, is really important. And I, I think that's what we were able to do last season. It's not something we've been able to do this year. I think if you look around the competition, there's a lot of teams who are either reaping the benefits of of a bit of luck on the health front, you know, Mm -hmm. some good injury management, good squad management, which we were able to do last year. And then 
you've got some teams on the other end of it like us and uh, mm-hmm. the Swans and others who have been really pillaged and pillaged at, you know, specific position groups. And I think that's what, uh, you know, on reflection, we recorded our recap podcast last night. This game, when you, when you look at it, Geelong's most experienced midfielder really once, um, once Patrick Dangerfield went down was Tom Atkins, mm-hmm. who's probably about the fourth or fifth picked Cats midfielder. And it's, it's port strength. Um, so I think that's, that's what I really felt was at the foundation of it. A lot of Cats fans blamed the defense, saying that, you know, that, that they were leaky. Mm-hmm. And really, I think it's hard to defend when the ball is coming out of the middle at such speed, uh, with such ease. I think really my takeaway was the defense probably shouldered the criticism um, that was that was really the midfields to bear because mm-hmm. whether you're talented or not, you, you can apply pressure. And I, I do feel we failed to apply pressure in the midfield. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. The fact he's Cam Guthrie's miss, I think, is much more devastating. Like I understand Patty Dangerfield is he's the superstar, but Cam Guthrie is such a rock in the center that it's like not having him, I think, is really, really messed with. And I completely agree with you. I mean, how is Stewart, Kalajazny, and all of that back line supposed to play perfect defense when the ball is coming in for, with from Butters and Rosie and and mm. Houston and all of the really good ball movers from Port Adelaide? Again, Port is as I've said numerous times, Kenny Hinckley is sitting back there every single night on his couch, drinking, a, drinking a glass of red wine, just enjoying this because <laughs> early in the season, he was Wayne Treadway was like, this is unintendable. And it's like Warren Treadway looks like an absolute Muppet right now. He said something and mm. everything has changed since then. So honestly, I don't consider this part of the, I, I don't consider the cat's loss part of the, the hex that is the, the buy. I just think you ran into probably the hottest team on the road and had the worst possible thing happen. Your experienced midfielder go down with an injury mm-hmm. and a devastating injury at that. And he still tried to play through it. And you could tell it just, he was never really the same. And that is the hot mm-hmm. spot of the Port Adelaide power right now is that midfield when you can run through so many great players, especially with Rosie and Butters, absolutely in fuego right now. So I agree. I feel horrible for Tommy Stewart, but I, I remember seeing a tactical thing that I think I'm, I'd be interested to see how the Cats negate this is did other teams give a tip on how to neutralize Tommy Stewart by making him play one-on-one defense and not letting him get free? I, I noticed that in one of the footy shows that I was watching is every single port forward, if they didn't have their opponent on them, was trying to find Tommy Stewart to make sure he was not free so he could do his intercept marking. So it'd be interesting to see, did Hinkley give a blueprint on the Cats a little bit? Again, I, as, a, as a Cats fan, I know you're probably – not hoping that that's not true, but uh, it'd be interesting to see do other teams try that tactic against the cats going forward. So we jump from your misery, sir, to my misery is again, another early Friday morning, as I say, 4 45 AM I'm up watching the swans in a game that honestly, the first quarter I was super up and about the swans started really well, but lions were absolutely flat as a biscuit, but then the lions kind of went, Oh yeah, we are at home. We play better at home. And they started to kind of get going. And the Swans just didn't lift the same way that the Lions did. Again, as as you kind of said, injuries in the worst possible place for the Swans in the defensive core has really, really hurt them. But again, I think they've played pretty well despite that. They've just run into some really, really good teams. Great performance, great effort, just 
didn't have everything that they needed to win this game. And as I told you off, Mike, and I'm, I'm going to go on this. I remember listening to the announcers and I am really getting sick and tired of people complaining about tackling. I understand the Barry tackle. And most likely he's going to get, he most likely he's going to get off on his tackle on Will Hayward because he got his arm out. He wasn't concussed. I get that. I am sick and tired of hearing announcers saying that the tackle is going to go out of the game. There were five tackles, there was like four or five tackles that were cited for a suspension this round. Four. I'm not going to go through it, but I'm probably not hesitating to guess there was probably over 500 tackles this weekend. And if less than a tenth of a percent are being suspendable, I don't think the tackle's coming out of the gate. And for anybody that can maybe clip this and send this to the announcers, please tell them, stop talking about something that's not leaving the game. It's like the bump. The bump isn't dead. It's there. It just needs to be done from the side, not from the front. Duh. So now that I've had, <laughs> now that I've had my soapbox moment, I try to keep those to a minimum. But that just really, really irritated me. Lions, absolutely great. It was it, I had a, a huge shout out, Harry Cunningham, keeping Charlie Cameron goalless was super, super impressive. Um, I have to say that. So for, for a guy that has been kind of a bane to some swans people this year, because he's went forward, didn't kick goals, speedy defender, but always kind of quiet, had an absolutely magnificent game against Charlie Cameron. So I will give some love there again. Lions. So good seeing Jasper Fletcher come out and play really, really well. It was great. Again, I know against the swans, but seeing another young man play absolutely great. Some really good young talent at the, at the lions that will be interesting to keep an eye out. So we jump to it up to GW up to uh, down to new South Wales as GWS knock off Fremantle. And I think this is probably the game you were talking about, Jake, this one came out of nowhere. I, I, I actually did tip this one because Fremantle going cross country for some reason, they leave the West and they don't play as well, but it's the margin that shocked me on this one. 70 points, 106 to 36. And you got to say it though. You got to keep an eye on these giants. They're sticking around in that little area where they could strike and potentially cause some issues for finals teams. I think, you know, we might have to say there's a big, big sound um, from the west <laughs> of the town. I think like there's an appropriate song at this point in time. Um, Very much so. And look, they've been some really good sides. Uh, they they went down to Geelong and, and beat us, which no matter who we've got out on the park, it's a tough thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. Feels like we've lost about 10 times in the last 200 games down at Cadinia Park. So the the Giants, you know, I looked at this match and – some things that sort of stood out to me, you know, 140 contested possessions to 116. Um, so, you know, plus 26 contested um, that they had less turnovers than the Dockers. They won 10 more clearances than the Dockers. I, I think this Giants team is one of those teams in this mess of, of teams that they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. Their best footy is actually pretty good and there's a lot of teams in the league i think whose best footy is pretty good the margins um in the afl are are quite slim um outside of probably the west coast eagles um i i, I sort of can't believe it i suppose mm. this result for, for the dockers having watched how they dismantled us um they they went and beat the demons and i know the demons were missing clayton oliver but that's still a really hard team to break down. 
and then to lose these games that they've lost and the manner in which they've lost this game to the Giants on the road or at home to only muster 11 scoring shots. Um, so surprising to me because they looked, I really thought that win against us and then the win against Melbourne was sort of the, the turning point in their season of where we're, we're here to be a, a true contender. And now the finals dream could be slipping away. It's, I was really stunned by this result. I, I couldn't make sense of it. Yeah. I myself. remember, I remember watching. I remember watching the highlights the next morning because, unfortunately, it was on pretty late, and I ended up watching the highlights. This, and was just stunned on how this Fremantle Dockers team. That again, it's like Caleb Sumrong and Andrew Brayshaw are playing their absolute guts out. They're playing great footy, but it's just like everybody else's MIA at times, and it's 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 baffling to me because I agree. It's like you looked you looked at those big wins over Geelong and over Melbourne, and you're like, okay, Fremantle has mm. figured it out. But honestly, I think it's a little bit of Jackson does need Sean Darcy. And it's weird to say because you think they spent all this money to bring Jackson over there. They may eventually could, could Darcy find his way back to Geelong, which I many Geelong fans are probably secretly hoping that potentially happens. But I honestly think Jackson needs that help because it took a, an inspiring situation for him to kind of be the, the number one rock in a couple of the games this year. But in other words, he's, he's good, but he's not ready for that full-time thing. And I think it throws off Fremantle's game style, not having the big man in there. So I don't know. It just, I, this is a Dockers team defensively. Normally they are absolutely rock solid. They don't play well. They they looked at shambles at times. Again, our, our GWS, the the dangerous team that you that they looked like in this game, absolutely not. I mean, Riccardi and Hogan, Hogan was out of this game, so Riccardi and Toby Green were really their two main threats going forward, and they kicked nine goals combined. So it's mm. a little. If I'm Fremantle, I'm a little concerned that that's that's a little too easy for undersized full forward, undersized forwards to be able to get loose and kick goals on a defense that usually is quite stingy. But again, it's going forward for them. It's it's always been a problem. Only a couple of times this season has it really not been. So it's kind of, I don't know. This is a Dockers team, like several teams in the competition. I'm sitting here with, I, they Jekyll and Hyde me a little too much. And that very is frustrating because as a tipster, or even as a person that's watching the footy, I'm like, okay, you should be, okay, no. So, I mean, that's kind of the way it has been. So it, it is rather frustrating. Again, Giants, the, there's the talent there. I really, really hope that Kingsley can get GWS back to the promised land a little bit of winning games, being in the chance for finals to maybe see if they can make the experiment in the western part of Sydney continue to grow. Again, whether that is fully going to happen or not is the major question for many people. But I, I wish mm -hmm. GWS success. Yes, I know that the rivals to Sydney, but I want to have them be successful because it's good for a footy in Sydney. So again, personally there, but I'll have to see again, great win by GWS. But if I'm a Dockers supporter, I'm absolutely livid right now because this was not the Dockers team of the previous weeks. This was the Dockers of old. They can't score and their defense has to do everything. And it just didn't hold up in this particular game. So going back to the MCG where Richmond of old reappears as the, the 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 hot form of the Saints earlier this year has seemed to abandon them as win loss win losses the Tigers get a twenty point win over the Saints ninety to seventy 
Trent Cochin, though the bane of many fans not of Tiger supporting Situ Ilk, um, would have to say. Um, but Cochin gets the three hundred, gets a victory on his three hundredth. Dusty back to his normals. Tim Taranto showing Kane Corns that he's an absolute muppet. Again, I, I kind of like throwing little jabs at Kane Corns because I think he's one of those many that he's more personality than he actually is actually knowing what he's talking about, but that's me personally. So your thoughts on the no, times no, getting the big win over the saints <laughs> on this one. Oh my goodness. I, I went back and watched the, the, the mini match uh, of this, this morning. Um, Cause you didn't get to see it live, but I was following the scores along uh, over the weekend. And um, uh, so uh, not, hugely surprising from 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 where i was sitting um i think that this richmond team uh, you know we're only a few years removed from them having won a bunch of flags and there's still a lot of team uh core members of that team there and if geelong supporters you know we're a fan base that knows you only need that group and a few youngsters to come along with them um, and you can get a lot done. And the Saints, to me, are a classic Ross Lyon team. High floor, low ceiling. Um, and you can you can definitely win a flag like that. For me, that's where the Demons in 2021 sat. They probably had the highest floor of anyone in the competition. They never really probably played footy out. You know, their worst footy, if you ranked everyone's worst footy, was still probably, you know, top four, top five in the comp. Um but I didn't ever have their best footy at much higher than sort of fifth or sixth. I thought there was a lot of teams better at mm-hmm. their best. So you can win a flag that way, but I think what we saw was that high ceiling of the Tigers. Once they got going, once the crowd got behind them, the Saints couldn't get the job done. And I thought the critical moments were, you know, late in the game, the Saints have two shots to, to try and take the lead. They, you know, hack both of them well wide of the target and then Richmond go down the other end and go bang, bang, close the door. Thank you very much. I, I think this Richmond team are really scary to be, to be completely honest with you hovering just outside the eight right now. I, uh, they really, I think they've showed a lot the last little while. Um, I think they're, they're, they're finding something pretty significant. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. The, the interesting thing will be is that they get Hopper and Lynch back eventually, and and I've always been one, and I've had I've I, I've had a few Richmond Tigers fans go back and forth with me on this one. Is Lynch really the great addition? Like, is he an elite goal kicker? Yes, but I think he had he has he has moments of brain fades for me. I think Hopper is more of the one that I think makes Richmond dangerous because it gives Toronto that yeah. Robin to his Batman a little bit. Presti is good, mm. but he's not what he was. Dusty Martin can go in, but I just don't think he's Dusty of old. I think he's Dusty of give me 10 or 15 great touches instead of trying to put Dusty mm. in the middle a ton. Cotchin's the same thing. Yes, he went into the middle a little bit in this game and kind of helped turn it around, but it's also against the Saints who midfield is they're good. They're not elite, shall we say. So it'll be very interesting to see how they go. I'm I agree with you. The Tigers are dangerous, but then again, though, this is also a Tigers team that is notoriously crap in late games sometimes. So we'll have to see. They got the bye this week. Did it come at the right time for them to get healthy? Maybe we'll have to see with Hopper and and Lynch coming back. 
I agree. They're dangerous on their day, but they can also have they can also have moments of brain fades because this is a team that constantly gives up stupid free kicks and stupid fifties that can cost them games later on the season. So I'm not fully back on the Tigers bandwagon when it comes to making finals yet. They still have to prove to me they're disciplined enough. Hopefully they are. If they are, definitely. If they aren't, there's still that opportunity of them falling a little bit short, but we'll have to see. So the other one that knocked my socks off, and this was one of this was one of those that I had planned on staying up for this game. I watched the first half and said, bugger it, I'm going to bed. Because I watched the first quarter and watched Gold Coast play really good footy. And I was like, okay, Gold Coast should win the Gold Coast is exactly what I thought. I tipped Gold Coast. I thought the Blues just have not shown me anything. They're absolutely stepping on themselves to, to screw everything up that they possibly can. And then it was like everything flipped on its head in the second quarter and Carlton just went boom and the game changed and gold coast went back to, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. They were like headless chucks running around. They'd had no idea what they were doing and Carlton get there together and finally kick a winning score. 120 61. But this, I don't know, Jake, for me, this is more of gold coast screwing themselves are really crapping on themselves and the perfect opportunity to put themselves in finals opportunities. I don't know if this is fully Carlton as much as I love seeing Voss a little bit happy after the shit storm that he's been going through. I think this is more on gold coast, absolutely crapping the bed in, in a great opportunity to get themselves into a finals opportunity this year. Yeah. I, in a group <laughs> chat I've got going, so, someone messaged and said like, what what the hell is going on here sort of thing and and i said well for me it's like this thing we've heard all year about how carlton have this high upside you know and i think about footy in terms of this a lot you know high what's your ceiling what's your floor what's the variance sort of level and you've got some teams that have low variance um and then you've got some teams you know with high variance and you look at carlton and we were told repeatedly over the off season they're so talented there's so much top end talent and I think that's true. I think there is a lot of top-end talent. Um, and I think what we saw was a team that's been punching below its weight pretty much all of 2023 finally land a haymaker that was sort of befitting uh, of, of what should be expected week in, week out um, to turn up and, and play some decent footy. I think the Suns are one of those low-ceiling sort of teams. I don't think the Suns' best footy is sort of top-eight footy. Um, they're a solid team that's probably been the opposite to Carlton, punching above their weight. Uh, so I, I think that's what we saw on the weekend was Carlton finally putting something together, which I, I just think that's what the expectation should be. You, you should play like that every week. You should turn up and out-tackle mm -hmm. the opponent. You should be able to turn up and, and play good contested footy. You should be finishing your chances. I mean, you, you create 30 scoring shots, 18 of them should be goals. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you in the sense that I don't rate the Suns that highly. Um, I think they're fairly competently putting put together, and I think they're building towards being better than that. But right now, Carlton should expect to turn up at the MCG and, and, and do these things. They've got explosive top-end talent. I don't think they're one of the deepest lists. In, in, in footy but as far as top end talent they've got a lot and i think carlton fans should expect this standard of them 
uh, more often, which is probably why so many Carlton fans have been so upset this season, to be honest. Well, I, I think it's a little bit, of, a, a little bit of this on, on the Carlton side. It is a little bit of, I think last year set expectations very, very high, which again, all because of the crap that all the Carlton fans have had to go through over the last, what, 20 years or so on with no finals and no success that I understand the frustration. Do I think the frustration went a little far with some of the numpties calling in saying they were going to microwave their memberships? Just the tiniest bit. Absolutely. It's the one thing. There's there's a little <laughs> bit of an aggression sometimes that I hear that I just, I'm not used to seeing over here, but I, I, I respect the passion. I just think it needs to be toned down just the tiniest bit, but I understand the expectations. And they have not lived up to those expectations. This has been a team that absolutely just ran through teams last year in contested footy and center clearances because of Cripps, Walsh, Chera, Kennedy, all these really good midfielders that they've kind of stockpiled over the years. This year, it has not been the case. They have been plundered when it comes to it in contested footy. This game showed us exactly what last year was when they can get going out of contested through the center or anywhere. If they win contested footy, they can really put a score up, but I'm also one of those on the flip side. I think gold Coast. I think gold coast had the air let out of them. The second, uh, the start of the second quarter, and they never could get it under control, even with an incredibly underrated, very good rock and Jared wits, who I think usually is one of those that when he faces an inferior rock like a Tom DeConing, he usually mm. dominates and, and usually wins the hit outs, wins the hits outs to advantage. And usually then Raul Anderson in that midfield can usually play really well. It just didn't materialize in that second quarter. Cripps, Chera, Kennedy were getting it out of the middle and Raul, Raul and Anderson were doing everything that they could. They just could not stop the bleeding once it got started. So in some situations in my if I'm coach boss I'm 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 interested to see how the team responds with a buy round this route if I'm Carlton the buy round actually comes at a worst possible case because all the momentum you just had stopped because you you have no game this round so I'm I'm not jumping on Carlton is back yet until next until round fit until round 16 when they come back do they come out um snorting fire and doing the same thing that they just did in the gold mm. coast then i will give you carlton is back but if they sh the bed on round 16 it'll just be it'll just be gold coast literally let them have it and and they they gave a false sense of security to the carlton fan base which again may may see some wrath <laughs> and some more talk phone calls that are going to make many others in the afl yeah. chuckle a little bit again some of them were a little too aggressive and and i agree with what someone said online it's I understand the passion, but there's a point when it goes too far. And even some of them were just the tiniest bit too far. So we jumped to Marvel Stadium as I, I'm kind of tired of saying it, but I really do think it needs to be said. Melbourne and North Melbourne really gave an honorable performance in this one. Yes, they lose to a, a doggies team that is they're just clearly more talented. They're more mature. They're more talented. Mm. But the Honestly, to the North fans that I talk to all the time, I go, there are great building blocks here. They're, they're Wardlow, Sheasel, LDU, once he gets healthy, and Larky, and, and some of these youngsters, they're going to be fun to watch. Mm. They're just going to go through some tough lumps because they're facing more mature, more experienced teams that they're going to face. Again, you lose to the Doggies by 21. This is not a bad loss again. 
I know it's frustrating for North fans because they have had some success prior and now they've went through several years of absolutely being wooden spoon contenders. I know it sucks, but this is exactly why Ward, Laura, Sheasel, these kids, when they hit 50, 75, 100 games are going to be absolutely on in fuego because they'll have went through their lumps. Mm. They'll have learned the system by guys like Bontempelli, Trelore, McCray, and uh, Libba, which they kind of got how to be a world-class AFL midfielder in this game. Timmy English showing why I think he's really on top of the communications for um, All-Australian Ruckman with with another 24 disposals, a goal and a behind in this game. Absolutely fantastic by Timmy English, who a couple of years ago, nobody said he could ever be a Ruck. Now he's one of the best in the entire competition. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh I was really impressed. You know, you said it, was a, it wasn't a bad loss for North. I think it was a really good win for the Bulldogs. Um, conversely, you know, the up falling behind early, you know, they, they concede three of the first four goals. They boot one goal five themselves to start with. And there's a bit of sort of, I don't know, PTSD about, you know, mm-hmm. these missed shots costing the dogs games. And, you know, they, 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 they wrestle control of the game back. And I think, these are the sort of the mental battles that go on for teams like the dogs who maybe are on that outside of that top four teams trying to break in each year. They've got a talented list together. It's maturing now. It, it, it's, it's really in the summer, um, you know, of its potential, this list with what they've got in the midfield and what they've added up for. So it, it's now these battles of like, okay, we've had a rough start to this game. Can we put it behind us? Can we wrestle the game back onto our terms? I think Bontempelli was, it was incredible. 32 touches, 11 tackles, eight clearances, three goals and 31 pressure acts. They win the contested. They win the clearances. They have more marks inside 50, 36 more inside 50s. But that inside 50, the marks inside 50 is really interesting to me. I went back and had a look. It's the first time this season that the dogs have hit 20 or more um, marks inside 50 and it's plus eight on their season average. So I think they average about 12 marks inside 50 per game. I have heard a lot of commentary around Aaron Norton and we should throw him back. You know, the defense would be better with Aaron Norton back there. I've had a chat with a, one of my good mates who's a Bulldogs fan. And my contention after watching this game is I don't know if the dog's back line is better with Aaron Norton down there. But I think the forward line is better when it's Waitman, Lobb, and Jamara. I think there's more space for them to lead. There's more clear air. I think Norton brings a lot of chaos that crashes packs and prevents what might otherwise be leading space or marking opportunities for other guys. I, I thought it was no surprise, really, that they just looked a little bit slicker up forward um yeah that that would be my my thing I, I i don't think it would be the worst thing for this dogs team to have norton maybe flying his trade for the west coast eagles next year and and these younger guys um like waitman and jamara sort of learn to to operate in a spacier forward line yeah, it's it's an interesting thought process because I know a lot of people like I, I had heard that too. A lot of people like send Norton back. He flies for the footy. He can be a great yeah. intercept marker. And I'm like, 
Yeah, I don't know. The way he crashes pack can actually be a negative because sometimes he may take two other yeah. defenders on his own team out, which he does some of the power yeah. line. Well, and it's like, and then it leaves Josh Bruce in this weird purgatory because you really don't want to send him mm. forward because that's the reason you got not out of there. But that's also because Liam Jones is hurt. So I, I think that's the other reason why not had to go back is Liam Jones got hurt. So they needed sure. another body to go back. And how long Jones is out, considering Jones has been really kind of the only consistent doggies backmen. I mean, Keith DeRay and, and some of the backmen after in the fullback line have, I mean, they have just been, they've been thrown around like yacht, like yacht, like Yahtzee dice because they just keep changing because mm. none of them seem to be working. It's, it's, they've never hit the black, they've never hit the Yahtzee yet with the right combination. It's, it's constantly chop and change and it just never has really worked. Jones has been the only one that like, Jones has a spot. The other two, it's, mugger all if we can ever f- figure out how it's going to go and i think that's what's hurting because caleb daniels went forward then he goes back then he goes forward then he goes back it's like put him in the halfback line because that's where he does the most damage have him and bailey dale on the flankers and figure something out for the center half back line that way it's settled and then you can kind of get stuff figured out i i don't Bevo is frustrating me because I think he's tinkering too much. Let it marinate a little bit. Have a couple of rounds. You've got the same team. If it doesn't work, then you change because you've given some continuity to their game a little bit. So he's got to figure out what is his best opportunity for his back six and go with it for a couple of rounds. If it doesn't work, then you make your change because the more he plays with it, the more he buggers this team's chance of still making the finals because it's never going to be settled. Jones being out doesn't help because now will Bruce or not and stay back permanently until Jones is back. So we'll have to see. There's tons of questions at the kennel for sure. I hope he gets it figured out because I think this Dougie's team on their day can be quite the dangerous team. The problem is that that is really the glaring error is that backside. Cody Waitman had kicked six in this game. And, and some of you are saying, that's the reason. Nothing's not there. Now Cody Waitman. Cody Waitman also benefited from a North Melbourne team that normally is pretty defensively sound, having an absolute mare in the back. I mean, I can't tell you how many times they were watching the footy and and somebody and Waitman gets out the back and gets and gets a free kick. Now he's a little he's a little bugger. It's easy to lose him, but you can't have a guy like that kick six on you. It's just absolutely unacceptable. Now a full forward, I'll give you six because they're big and strong. <laughs> a little small forward like that, then we got a few problems. So. Alrighty, so that is going to do it for the six games this round. Again, six games that goes oh so quickly. I, I thought some decent games, like I said, and some absolutely shockers. So we jump to the burning questions, and Jake, I'm going to tell you before we we had, before we hopped on to record, I told you Ross, our producer, had not. He just texted me as we got started with our question. So we will do Ross's question of the week. So I will explain how that goes here in just a little bit. So. As I've asked the last two rounds, because for me, this is this is a little bit weird, a little bit this this year, the the multiple weeks of buys, because the first was four, then the second was two, and then this last week was the normal what I'm used to, six teams taking a seat, watching the mm. footy. Three rounds of four. What are your thoughts on this multiple bye weeks? Because as I've, as I've said to a couple of them, I've heard everything from keep it the way it is to why don't we just take one giant bye week for the entire competition no footy go to your local footies in in your local competition support them and let these let all of the players get one day off at the same time so you don't have ladders where you have six teams that have played 14 games and another six also in the in the finals contention that that still need to play a game at the end of this 
Um, well, it used to bug me a lot more um, before I started watching the NFL. Um, uh, you know, and then having gotten, you know, mad into the NFL and teams are on bye week for, you know, a large portion of the season, you know, I sort of, uh, I've come back to watching the AFL, you know, with sort of fresh eyes in the, in that way. Um, look, I, I, I'd be in the camp really of, of condensing that by stretch as much as possible. I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be against the idea of having one, everyone's off, in the middle of the week by week. Um, I've had the theory of doing a festival of footy. So, you know, for that weekend in the middle of the year when no, no AFL footy is being played, what you would do is for all the relevant broadcasters in the different States, you would choose a couple of marquee footy matchups, country footy matchups and broadcast them on your main channels, you know, put, you know, ovens and Murray, the, the best matchup of the round mm -hmm. on your main broadcast platform. That, that would be my preference. Spend a, you know, we, we, we've got the country game, you know, between Essendon and Geelong uh, at the MCG every year, which absolutely feels like an afterthought. What about having a week in the middle of the year that, you know, the, some sort of festival of grassroots footy on a bigger stage? Um, I think personally, that would be a pretty tremendous way to do it. One week off festival of footy for, for local and grassroots footy and then back into it for the second half of the season. I absolutely love the idea. And then and I'm going to throw this. I, I asked this of my, a friend of mine who lives in Canada, who's a huge from SA originally. And I asked him this and he wasn't a huge fan, but I'm interested as an NFL, as an NFL fan. And I know this is kind of ad lib question without notice. I'm sorry. Yeah. What do you think? Right. And I know this is a completely different system than the NFL. What do you think of a mid-season trade period? Kind of like the trade deadline in the NFL, where maybe you mm. get that situation like I, I, the common one I've always heard is Toddy Goldstein going from Norse to say Geelong. One of those years when Geelong yep. needed a Ruckman to kind of round out a chance for a flag. And Geelong trade their first round pick to North Melbourne. This gives North Melbourne another first round pick to expedite their rebuild. And Geelong gets that Ruckman potentially to get them over the chance for the flag. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's Americanized. So I know some of the, the comment sections are going to go absolutely mental with the traditionalists that don't want to see this. <laughs> well, I think it's a thought process. I know, I know it's a completely different figures when it comes to financially, because it's so much easier yeah. for millionaires in the NFL, but what are your thoughts on maybe a midweek trade period? Um, look, I, I, I wouldn't be against it. I, I think, and as far as the traditionalists go, you know, it's the same people who are saying the tackle is going to be out of the game. We're losing the <laughs> Very bump, true. you know, all these things, you know, I, look, I, I've also been a long time believer that we should share the AFL grand final around. Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm a Victorian, but I'm not beholden to it being at the MCG. I, I would not be against um, shifting that from state to state. I know that's a, that's a controversial one, um, but mm -hmm. the trade, the mid season trade period, I see, I think you've already seen the benefit of the mid season draft Geelong pick up Mitch Hardy from South Australia. I think it's South Australia. Um, and he comes over debuts in the VFL has 20 plus touches. I think led the team in clearances looked really good. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he made his AFL debut a week later. Um, and, so, so I think you see the ability for teams to address a mid-season need that maybe you didn't foresee being a problem before the season. I think also 
you've got to be sort of realistic as a fan. We don't have to be, but I think it's good to mm-hmm. be. And clubs certainly will be. You look at the ladder right now and you've got North Melbourne and the West Coast Eagles, neither of who are going to figure in finals. Now, teams from Sydney on upwards can maybe dream that, hey, if we get a, if we get a run on, we might be able to get in the back door of the finals. So sort of from Hawthorne on downwards, you've got three teams who don't have a hell of a lot to play for in 2023. However, you know, and there's players on those lists like a Goldstein, um, you know, is one. And I would think that if I'm just thinking about the Eagles, there'd be a few players on that roster Mm -hmm. who might be coming down to their last one or two seasons. And then you look up and you go, this team that's right on the cusp of finals, they've just had a significant injury. That player's now out for the season or whatever it might be. Those teams at the bottom, it would allow them to begin planning for next season, which in a lot of ways they already are doing. You know, there'd be no illusions for North or West Coast about what their fortunes are this season. So I'm definitely not against it. I think I would want to sort of manage how it's done, what sort of contracts can be signed, like how all that sort of would operate, I think would need to be carefully thought out. But I'd definitely not be against it because I think you can already see the positives of of the mid-season draft. We want opportunities for people to play more meaningful footy, to play more footy. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't be against it. I just think you'd have to think about how exactly it would happen. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And again, the Sydney Swans, Jack Buller, a kid they get from Claremont, plays his first VFL game the week before, kicks five, then he makes his AFL debut the next week against Harris Andrews and the Brisbane Lions. I kind of felt bad for the kid because welcome to the AFL. Here's you get one of the best one of the best backs in the in the entire competition. Have fun. Um, but it's, mm. it's one of those, I, I completely agree with you. And, and I, I do cover the sample, the waffle and the VFL. And one of the biggest complaints that I hear from many of them is, is that during that mid season draft, it can tank a few playoff or, or finals. You can't say playoffs in an AFL thing. Sorry. Comment section final. <laughs> it can blow some finals opportunities for some of these state league teams. But if you went to a mid season trade period, you could do that where you're not the, the state teams will shut up because you're not taking their talent. And some of these guys on these teams like a, a Richmond that are they're on the cusp, but maybe could make a change to, to switch a midfielder for a midfielder that may fit what they're trying to do a little bit more. You can do it again. I know that the finances are completely different than the NFL. So, and I understand that. And I understand that side of the argument, but this would, it would change how teams handle the draft and, and because they would maybe keep their first round pick and maybe move a first round pick for the potential for the future. A, a little bit like again, professional sports over here again, not that I want it to happen, but it's just a thought process. Mm. I, I just like hearing it. So we'll jump from that great discussion. Thank thank you for humoring me on that, Jake. I yeah, appreciate no that. Worries. So we go to, it, it, we go from the highest of highs in that conversation to a lowest of lows. <laughs> As we kind of said in the thing, there were two teams that really, I think, really kind of shat the bed, per se. Which performance was a bigger yeah. disappointment for you, Frio or Gold Coast? Oh, Fremantle by a mile, um, <laughs> because I, I have quite high expectations of, of what Fremantle can be. I think their best footy is really great. I think they totally – that was the most – that that loss we had to them over in Perth was probably as close 
would be close to the most dominated I've seen Geelong be for for a four quarters where it was just like, wow, I don't know if we're just going to be able to stop this team. They have full control of the match. Um, so to have the win against us, the win, you know, in Sydney um, as well against the Swans, which I think is always impressive, like, like Geelong, I think Sydney's home form is it, it, it's hard to get over them up up in sydney they win at the mcg against melbourne and now they're falling back to back weeks home against the tigers away to the giants yeah i i, I don't understand how this <laughs> happened 70 points is huge um for a team that not so long ago not only finals i thought they might have had a you know an outside chance of, of sneaking a top four spot if they'd kept winning but yeah, I was massively disappointed. Um, very happy for GWS. I thought it showed a lot for, for them mm-hmm. as a club. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Freeman. It's 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 how they did it is more of the reason I'm disappointed. Because again, yeah. Gold Coast has I think Gold Coast has shown their colors many times. It's sometimes second half of the seasons they absolutely capitulate and disappear from yeah. any chance of making finals. So this being a shocker is actually not much of it. But Freeman, it's a I still say early in the season, I said, I think the loss of Logan, uh, uh, Griffin Logue and Blake Akers, I think have affected this team a lot more. So they kind of started in the hole a little bit and they kind of found their groove. But again, I think Sean Darcy's losses, it, it has been much more of a bigger factor to this team than I think many people want to give credit for. He is such a stabilizing sure. force on that. So I think that's kind of what happened to them is they still, they, as much as, uh, as, as Justin Longmuir, has really done really well with this team. He needs to figure out a way to kind of neutralize Sean Darcy a little bit from the thought process because Jackson's going to be in it until Darcy is healthy. And if this is the performance you're going to get, Fremantle, they're going to fall like a lead balloon and they're going to disappear from finals chances altogether if this continues. I don't think it will. I think they'll bounce back, but this worst possible timing for this particular loss. So this is the point. Here we go. Ross's question of the week. So I'm going to kick it over to Ross. Ross, let's ask the question of the week. O'Connor, that's a beautifully weighted kick. Hey, everyone. Let's take a look at history for this week's question of the round. Now, we have to go all the way back to 1955 for this. But in that year, St. Kilda recorded the worst percentage in AFL history at 45.39%. Right now, your West Coast Eagles sit at a by far league worst 51.4%. Now, what are the chances, Donnie, that this year's West Coast Eagles have the most horrifically injured team I've ever seen I could say that because I've only been watching for three years. It's probably the worst footy I've ever seen in a season. Sorry, West Coast. Sorry, no offense to any West Coast fans listening. That sounds a little harsh, but you could probably um, probably agree with me. What are the odds that this 2023 West Coast Eagles team surpasses the 1955 St. Kilda Saints for the worst percentage in AFL history? Guys, thank you. Have a great rest of your show. O'Connor, that's a beautifully weighted kick. And thanks, Ross, for that great question. I'm not sure if that's exactly the way I was going to go with this particular week, but it's interesting. So, Jake, I will re-say this question again. West Coast, 
the abysmal 51.4% currently. Can they break the record for the worst possible percentage? They do have a win, so I don't think they'll be the worst team ever. 50.97. Will they break it? I think there's a high chance. I think there's a high probability um, of, of that happening. Honestly, I, I, I think they they have approached at times some of those early like GWS Gold Coast sides um, in terms of their competitiveness. Look, who knows? It, it wouldn't take much to, to, to bump it up to a spot where they can't break that record. But oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think this is a really bad team. Uh, I think this is a you know a, a team that's really going through it. I feel for their fans, I do, um, but I, I think they're in a really really bad spot. I mean, they've scored what seven hundred and ninety six points for the season um, through thirteen games. It's 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 not good. Yeah, I think there's absolutely a chance that they can <laughs> they can break a record that they would not like to hold. So for me, I don't think they're a bad team. I just think they're they're badly structured because they are so uh, they're they're so connected to the the oldies. And, I, and I, again, I'm older than many of the players on the team, so me saying oldie is kind of weird. But it's guys like Luke Shuey, Andrew Gaff, Elliot Yo, Nick Nat Nui, Shannon Hearn. Uh, it's it Tom Barras, Mitch McGovern. It's it's these guys that are up there. I mean, they are mature players. Mm-hmm that if they go down, there's nothing behind them besides young rookie kids that are waffle prospects. They probably shouldn't even be donning an AFL Jersey and they're having to, because all of those guys I just talked about, and that's not even counting Liam Ryan. You had Jack Darling break his forearm. It's every single situation that can happen to really screw with this team has happened when it comes to injury. And I mean, I covered the waffle. Their percentage in the waffle is worse. I mean, that's scary to think at one time I saw their percentage was 19% in the waffle at one time. It was ridiculous. They gave up 234 points to West Perth earlier in the year. So this, this is the entire club is going through it. And the worst part about it is, is there's no end in sight because they get one guy back from injury and two other guys go out with injury. So it's just... I think they're going to do it. I don't want it to happen because it's absolutely atrocious that it's going to happen. But I think it is just because they just don't have the numbers because of the, the plethora of them on their injury list that they're going to be able to come back and be competitive. Even when some of these guys like Shuey and Gaff and Yo have come back, they haven't exactly lit up the, the statistics or changed games. So I, I agree with you. I, I I think there's a good probability it happens. I don't want it to, but I think there's a good probability that that happens. So we jump to the last question. And for the last question, I always like asking my podcaster about their team. So I, I hate doing this, but I got to ask because I've, yeah. I've heard it all year long. Sydney, they get beat so bad in the grand final. They're going to be, they're going to be absolutely horrible. I'm now starting to hear calls that, the cats may fall short this year. So with the loss, is there a worry at the cattery that the cats will miss the finals this year? Um, I, th- I think it's definitely in play. I think we could definitely miss finals. Um, but I think uh, as a cats fan, <laughs> there's a, there's a bit of a luxury that we can take to, to, to the, to, to how we view the game, how we view the sport. Uh, and, and that is that, 
I went back after the, you know, Geelong opened the season with that three game losing streak. And I, I wrote an article um, for our Patreon subscribers that was basically looking back at the last 40 years, the last 40 years of, of footy, the cats have had like a stupid amount of success. Mm-hmm. We've uh, something like we've been in two thirds of finals campaigns and, you know, 50% of final fours or something like that. Last four, it's, it's been absurd. And so, look, yeah, I do think there's a definite chance that we'll fall short. Um, will I be outraged and calling for Chris Scott's, you know, resignation? And, and no, honestly, mm-hmm. I won't because I think it's a long process. And I think you've got to take, we don't have to, but we definitely on our podcast choose to take a long view um, whatever happens in the back end of this season, we're incredibly excited um, for, for what's to come. I've been covering the VFL Cats a lot more closely this season and there's some talent in there that's really exciting. Um, not just Jai Clark, um, Phoenix Foster, Ted Closey, um, to name a couple of others. Cooper White is stacking mm-hmm. really good footy. Um, so, yeah, no, look, I think there's totally... A, a, an opportunity for us to miss finals. We might even, we, you know, there's the possibility you could miss it by a long way. Uh, we've, we've got a pretty tough run home. Uh, we're pretty realistic about it. Um, I, I guess the best context I can provide is that on the podcast prior to the port game, um, we set the pass fail mark for the month ahead. And we said, if Geelong, if we're going to move forward, considering Geelong a genuine premiership contender in 2023, um, we, ex- we would need to see them go three and one in this stretch. So we needed them to split against Port and, and um, the Ds and then have wins against the Swans and North. They've lost to Port. I think it's a challenge against Melbourne. So look, if we're two and two, I think we're still able to compete for finals. But that's no guarantee. So look, yeah, I, I don't. I totally think it is, but I don't see that as a massive failure. To to be to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. And you, again, as they say, it's like everybody has injuries. Yes, but the injuries that you have are are big ones, and, and you can't take that. You have to put that into consideration. Chris Scott can only do what he can with what he can work with. I mean, no Cam Guthrie, no danger field that for, for a significant amount of times, that's, that's a couple of big hits to a midfield. That's already a little bit skinnier, a little bit thinner this year than years before. So completely agree with you. I'm the same thing with the Swans. I knew, I knew going in, if they couldn't steal one against Brisbane, most likely finals are out unless they go on a miraculous run of 12 of winning almost every game and no losses. Um, I'm, I live in reality a little bit. I know that the injuries have absolutely decimated us both forward and back this year. So 100% agree with you on that one. So we're done with burning questions. We jump to, I take over the podcast a little bit, but I always have a little fun with, with my co-host. So I do a team of the week where I kind of put together some of the better performers, awesome. but here's the thing that I do. And, and I throw this off and I've said this, I really perturbs me the all Australian. So I actually give some love and I try to make guy put guys in the positions that they normally play. So there's going to be a few guys that don't make it. I've had a few people have some suggestions. And if you come at me with positive 
a constructive feedback, I will take it into effect and put it in. If you come at me that I'm a flog, I don't know what I'm talking about. You most likely you're going to get blocked. <laughs> so here's my team of the week for this week. Again, only six games. So it's a little bit more difficult, but I think I still did a pretty good job. So here we go. Round 14. We start with the defense because being a coach up here, defense wins championships as the moniker always said here in the U S so we start with a fullback line. Your guy, Zach Guthrie from the Geelong Cats, Carlton's Nick Newman, and the Gold Coast Charlie Ballard. I'm going to give him a little bit of love. He, he played a pretty good game for the Gold Coast, despite the in, insipid performance by the rest of his team. Jump to the halfback line. Yes, he got suspended, but he still had a pretty good game. GWS's Lockie Whitfield, Richmond's Nick Vlostin, and the Western Bulldogs' Caleb Daniels are along the halfback line. We jump to the wings. Again, I give wings some love. Sydney's Errol Goulden. Yes, he normally plays in the middle, but he can play that wing role really, really well. So we'll put him out there. And Gold Coast Ben Ainsworth will be our two wingers in the center square. Ruckman Carlton's Tom DeConning. You kick two goals. You get a little bit of love from the coach in the center square, kicking a ton of goals from the midfield is GWS's Josh Kelly, Carlton's Patrick Cripps, and the Western Bulldogs' Marcus Bontempelli. We jump to the forwards, and it's pretty easy, Jake. You kick goals, you get into the team of the week, so it may not be the greatest lineup when it comes to it. We start at the half-forward line, Port Adelaide's Jeremy Finlayson, GWS's Jake Riccardi, and Richmond's Shea Bolton. At the full forward line, sees Port Adelaide's Todd Marshall, GWS's Toby Green, and the Western Bulldogs' Cody Waitman. We go to the bench, the four guys on the bench. I put a defender, a ruckman, a midfielder, and a forward to give each of the section a chance. At the defender, just a little bit of a homer call here, only because I absolutely loved his performance. Harry Cunningham of the Sydney Swans. You hold Charlie Kerno goalless in a game. You're going to get a little bit of love from the coach. The Western Bulldog ruck, Timmy English. The midfielder, Adam Chera of the Carlton Blues. And the forward, St. Kilda's Dan Butler. So, Really quick, Jake, your thoughts on this group again, only six games. So a little bit of a thinner mm. group to look through, but I think I did a pretty good job of putting a team together that I think could be quite an interesting little team. Absolutely. I really like it. Um, glad to see Zach Guthrie get a little bit of pop. That's, that's always nice. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I agree with that overall. I think like maybe a couple of guys on, on the fringe could have been, um, I was really impressed and have been impressed for a long time with Port's Sam Pal Pepper. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought he was amazing again on Thursday night. Um, Cats fans, if you like Sam Pal Pepper, I've got some Ted Closey stock to, to sell you from the VFL. Mm -hmm. um, and Tim Taranto as well, another one from, from the Tigers who, who could probably find his way in. But look, apart from that, I, I really like it. That's a strong a strong ruck division. I'm just thinking English um, on the bench, you know, uh, that's, that's depth. That's serious depth. I, I like that team. Yeah. I, I, I almost wanted to put Timmy English in the start and DeConning on the bench because DeConning only had 11 disposals, but the two goals really kind of set him apart a little bit. And I tend to yeah. give goals a little bit more weight. That's why Timmy Taranto didn't get in because Chera had two, Kelly had three, Bontempelli had three and Cripps had three or two. So I, that's, I wanted to get Timmy Taranto in. I really did 38 disposals. Absolutely magnificent game again, showing, showing yes. 
Kane Corns to be an absolute Muppet is absolutely hilarious to me, but I just, I couldn't get him in because like I said, Montepelli, Kelly and them had multiple, this was a, a week for some midfielders to kick plenty, plenty of goals. So we jump to the, 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 the homage to the fourth and long part of the history of the channel to our power rankings. And I say this, Jake, it mm. is by form. It is not by ladder position. So this is going to throw a few curveballs. Okay. At number five is Collingwood. I know they had the bye week, but they have won two in a row going into this game. Number four is the Richmond Tigers, also with two wins in a row. The Melbourne Demons at three. Number two, the Essendon Bombers. And number one, the Port Adelaide Power. Again, Kenny Hinckley looking magnificent with that 11-game win streak. Again, I go off form in the last five games. How many wins in a row you have to kind of go off that? So I know it's a little bit different. There's a few names in here that some of the experts shall we say are probably going coach what are you doing but hey you know what i have my i i have my criteria and i go by it each and every week <laughs> I, I i don't think i don't think you're mad at all and i think i i i don't know if i was meant to put one together but i did put a top five sure, a, i'd love a, to hear a, it a five power ranking so i had essendon at five and i my context was who are the five teams if finals were starting tomorrow in order of the five I'd least like to play. Mm-hmm. So oh, if, it. It, if I was playing this weekend, I, I had Essendon at five. I had Richmond at four. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. I think the Tigers are a more dangerous side than a lot of teams in the eight right now. I had Melbourne at three. I had Port at two. And look, I know they took a loss, um, but I still have Collingwood at number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think they're best on the day and the fact that they're going to get to play at the MCG um, probably the whole way through the finals series and the grand final. Um, that's the, that's my five at the moment, Essendon, Richmond, Melbourne, Port and Collingwood. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Completely agree. I, I'm one of those, if you pick a criteria to go with, stick with it. It's what, what, what I, what I see when I hear people say power rankings and then they, and they, they, there's no kind of continuity to the, to how they pick their teams. That's what's frustrating yep. with me. It's like, I look at, like I said, I say the last five games, how many wins do you have? And then how many wins in a row is kind of your perfect is kind of your perfect little thing. And then I go from there. Yep. I, I, like I said, I've thrown some curveballs. One time I had the gold coast Suns when they had won two in a row at five and I had people losing their skulls over it. So <laughs> it happens. So, but I, I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you for, I, I love that you joined in and gave your five. That's absolutely fantastic. So we get to no my favorite part of the, this is because, Everybody does tips. I know people say, I don't do tipping competitions, but everybody secretly tips in the long run. So we'll jump to it, sir. The tipping for only six games, but six quite interesting games. We'll start off Mm. at the Cattery. Your boys, the Geelong Cats, host the Melbourne Demons. Can the Cats get it done? Are the D's going to be able to spoil the Cats' homecoming? Uh, Cats can get it done. I'll never tip against the Cats, but It'll, it, it's a mighty, mighty challenge. They are strong in an area where we are depleted. Um, Mitch Hardy to debut, Cats to win by a goal. I love it. I love it. He stays strong. I, I, I wish I had that much conviction. <laughs> I'm going to tip the Ds only because, as you kind of said, I think the midfield is going to be where, where unfortunately, it's going to be won and lost. And, and unfortunately, the depleted mm. midfield. 
but the cattery is going is can always give challenges. So I think the cats are in this. I really do. I, I don't think this is one of those the demons blow it out. I think this this stays late. I think the D's just hold on late, maybe just under two goals. I have it as a six-point win for the D's right now. I think it should be super close. We jump to it. Marvel Stadium as St. Kilda hosts the Brisbane Lions. I'm going to start off with this one. This one I bounced back and forth with a couple of times because Brisbane, once they leave the GABA again, they they kind of have stumbling blocks. Usually it's the MCG, so I think they play Marvel a little bit better. I think St. Kilda is stumbling a little bit more, so I'm going to tip the Lions in this one, but I think this is a cracker on Friday night. Yeah. Can I can I pick a draw? <laughs> the, uh, the, um I, I didn't know where to go with this. The Lions are one of those high variance teams. Their best footy looks amazing. Their worst footy is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Saints, the opposite. High floor, low ceiling. They're, they're, they're generally pretty good. They're generally pretty competitive. I actually ended up going for the Saints over the Lions just because I think it would be such a Brisbane thing. It would be such mm-hmm. a Sydney thing, a uh, Saints thing rather. The Saints lose to Richmond and then the next week followed up by beating the Lions. It would just be one of those things I feel like would be so fitting um, and, and sort of amusing to me. So I'm going to take the Saints <laughs> over the Lions. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. I, 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 can see, I can see the Saints still winning that one. They've, they've got the abilities. And it'd be interesting to see Oscar McInerney, Rowan Marshall in, in the ruck. I think the ruck battle sometimes is not talked about mm. as a battle that I think would be interesting. Oscar McInerney, not exactly the flashy Ruckman. He gets stuff done. Surprisingly, a really good tank. But Rowan Marshall, I think, has really stepped up. After kind of being second fiddle to a few guys in the last couple of years, I think he's really stepped up this year. Uh, I just don't think he's got enough to take down the big O. And when you've got Neil, you've got Dunkley, you've got Ashcroft, you've got Jasper mm. Fletcher, and that that midfield is very deep. For the Lions, I think it's going to be absolutely fun. I just think the Lions have too much. Cal Wilkie, who does he take? Does he does he take Hipwood or does he take Danaher? And can the other get off the chain? Whoever Wilkie doesn't take will be the fascinating one. And can somebody stop Charlie Kurt, Charlie Charlie Cameron like Sydney did and forced Hipwood and Danaher to be the ones to beat him? So, I like I said, I think Lions that one, but I agree with you. Really super close. I, I, I don't think I'm going to waste any time asking you. I think I know your answer. Sydney Cricket Ground, Sydney Swans versus West Coast Eagles. I think Sydney win this one. And I don't think I don't think I'm jumping too high off the limb. I think Sydney big, even with their injury issues, I think they've got too much talent for the West Coast Eagles. Absolutely. I think this is one of those <laughs> games where a, a really good team like the Swans, who have maybe been a little bit up and down, take the opportunity to thump uh, a cellar dweller. Um I think you see it a bit every year where, you know, there's a team in the middle of the road who's sort of struggling for form and then they get to face one of these teams and they take all their frustration out. Um, And I think that's what's going to happen. So yeah, I've got the Swans as well. All righty. We jump over Optus stadium. This one, this one has got my me tangling because I'm fascinated by this one. Fremantle Mm -hmm. versus the Essendon bombers at Optus stadium. Who do you like in this one? Oh, I think this has, it's actually competing with a lot of games for match of the round, six games and there's some really good ones. Um, there's only one I've actually got one. the Dockers. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got the Dockers getting this done. I think I'll, I'll give you a bit of storyline. I think the Bombers come out hot, kick first, say three or four goals of the game, look like they're going to run over the top. 
And I think Frio slowly over the course of the next couple of quarters, twist it back onto their terms and run over the top of them in the last quarter. I think it could be a defining, a character defining moment for this Dockers team. Yeah, I'm one of those, this one, the reason that I tipped the way I did is where it's at. If this was at Marvel yep. Stadium or the MCG, I'd tip Essendon just because of the distance from Perth. But because this is at Perth, at Optus Stadium, Fremantle usually plays the confines of Optus really, really well. Essendon having to travel across country. Yes, they're a run-and-gun team. I know Coach Scott has done pretty well for this, but Essendon has shown some cracks over the last few rounds a little bit. They've gotten some wins, but some scrapey ones. I think Fremantle gets it done. I think Longmuir gets the boys together, and they get a good win out west. So we jump to the MCG, and an absolute cracker. I agree with you. This has five really good games and one stinker because all five of the other ones are absolutely ones I cannot wait to see. And this one will be magnificent. MCG, Collingwood, V Adelaide. I'm going to tip the pies, but this is just like the last one. It's where it's at and why I tip this, because I think if this was at the Adelaide Oval, I'd tip the Crows because Collingwood at home has the Magpie Army. That gets them going. When they leave the confines of the MCG, they stumble a little bit. They can run their system as much as they want, but when the other team has momentum, they can get on top of them. I'm going to tip the pies because I wish this one was at, was at Adelaide Crow, Adelaide Oval. Then I think I'd tip the Crows. I'm going to tip the pies in this one just a little too much at home. What a weird team the Adelaide Crows are. 52-point win over the Saints, 45-point <laughs> loss to the Dogs, 17-point win over Brisbane, uh, 25 point loss to the Suns, and then last week 122 point win o- over the Eagles. I-, I agree with you. I think I think Collingwood get the job done. Um, I think this could be a really entertaining game to watch. That mm-hmm. that's my feeling. Like we're going to be in it, going, well, oh, how good is how good is footy? Like loud uh, MCG and just end to end stuff. And then we kind of blink and we're like, oh wow, the Pies won that by five goals. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be close for a long stretch, but I think by the end of it, um, I think we'll sort of, yeah, be surprised when we look back up at the scoreboard and go, wow, that actually, that that blew out a little bit more than than expected. I just think Collingwood, they're going to have, I think they're going to be fired up to, um, to, to get back to the top of that ladder. Um, and Crows are fun, but I think Collingwood's uh, still a bit of a machine at this point in the season, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. Like I said, it would be fascinating. And then probably the most mm. intriguing game of the entire one sees Gold Coast at Heritage Bank Stadium up 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 on the Gold Coast take on the Hawks, but potentially a Sicilyless Hawks. Who do you like in this one? I've got the Hawks beating Gold Coast. <laughs> I've, I've yeah, I've I've got them getting the job done. I think as much as I really dislike them, um, this Hawthorne team has, they're, they're building something down there. Unfortunately, in the next few years, I think we're going to have to deal with Hawthorne being pretty good again. Um, that young midfield group that they've got, um, I think they're going to be very willing to go head to head with with um, Gold Coast's tough sort of inside midfield group. Um, yeah, I've got the Hawks winning a really close one, a good game, a tough game. Um, yeah, I've got the Hawks getting their fourth win in five weeks. Yeah, except for the Saints and Brisbane Lions, you and I, I think a lot alike. I also tipped Hawthorne in this one. I just think 
that loss to Carlton was an absolutely soul destroyer. And I think this is, this is the game that honestly, normally you would have thought this is a great game for gold coast. This is a worst possible timing to get a scrappy Hawthorne team. That's got a ton of momentum. Their tails are up. They're playing well. I know they potentially could be without Sicily, which I think gives them a little bit of a hit defensively, but that midfield and, and, I agree with you. And I think Lloyd Meek has been surprisingly a fantastic pickup for the Hawthorne Hawks to give a little bit more depth in the ruck for, for this Hawks team. And some of the youth on this team, they are going to be fantastic to watch. I know as, as a Geelong supporter, you, you hate hearing anything positive when it comes to mm-hmm. the Hawks, but I, I, I like this Hawks team that they're, they're actually quite an interesting group. I, I appreciate what they're trying to do. I know some people at the start of the year were saying they're tanking, but, after the last few weeks, I think this is just a team that they needed to progress. They needed to take their lumps early and they're starting to kind of find their mojo. This is a Hawks team. I don't want to play in the last 10 weeks of the season because they are going to be absolute nightmares to try to play. I got the Hawks in this one, but I think this is, I agree with you, a cracker on the Gold Coast to end the round. So six teams get a bye. Jake, that is it. That is everything that we needed to talk about an absolutely fantastic conversation i'm so glad we were able to connect and have this conversation so really quickly to those of my those are the people that watch this that don't know about your podcast please tell us all about the chaps chat cats podcast yeah thanks so much for having me on i've really enjoyed it uh if if cats fans or people who just want to get an insight into the you know psychopathic workings of cat fans uh, minds <laughs> um, want to listen you can go on yeah the chap chat cats we do multiple episodes a week um I, I don't think we've missed a week since we started back in early 2021 uh, we cover the men's the women's at afl level we have been covering the men's and women's at vfl level this year as well um yeah so uh, previews and recaps of all of afl level stuff and the vfl when when time allows when the day jobs allow so yeah we'd love to have cats fans over and and yeah listening to our content fantastic and and i I try to keep an eye on it i try to give a listen when i possibly can great stuff as always i know i'm I'm a weird swans fan i i listen to a little bit of everything just because i like hearing different sides of 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 the footy talk i Mm. i think there's so many one-eyed fans out there that's like i can only listen to our stuff like no there are some podcasts that I absolutely adore that are not Swans podcasts and they're not AFL podcasts that I absolutely enjoy. I know one off the top of my head is an Adelaide Crows supporter, Adelaide Crows podcast called the Crow Jack. I absolutely love those. I think that group is absolutely hilarious. Great content. I may not be a Crow supporter, but I absolutely love what they do over there. So huge shout out to the Crow Jack podcast out of SA. So, but it's so much fun and I love chatting with you guys. So ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our podcast today. Again, more coverage coming up a busy week for me. You will see a sample podcast and a couple of fun interviews that I have arranged coming up this week that you'll have to keep an eye out for. So that's going to do it for Donnie's disposals. And we will be back again in your ears. Very, very soon. Here's the song.